Welcome to Cinelit. Today we are looking at what-ifs, maybes and giving Hollywood some good ideas for the future. In the wake of successful reboots, sequels and remakes of recent years like Halloween, Scream, Ghostbusters Afterlife, West Side Story, Mortal Kombat and the classic Dog Tanyon and the Three Musker Hounds, we have selected a handful of films that we think we deserve to go through that Hollywood machine one more time. My name is Adam Marsh, and I am joined today by Cinelit's resident expert, Daryl Buxton. How are you, Daryl? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Adam. And uh, we're, we're largely going to be going down the, the sort of horror route on this, horror franchises that never happened and, and ought to happen, or old horror movies that we like that ought to have gone to, to sequels. Sure, I mean, with, with a successful yeah, yeah. Halloween being rebooted, a, yeah. re- a requel as, as, a, as a very successful Scream uh, sequel requel. So, yeah, uh, I, know, I know that we're, we're sort of fizzing with ideas. Mm, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the whole discussion. Cool, and we are also joined today by Quad's Fright Club programmer, Adam Crowther. How are you, Adam? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I'm ready for some ham-fisted messaging in all my... Not so subtle remake ideas. Okay, oh, fantastic. Okay, so who, who, where should we start? Daryl, do you want to start? You seem yeah, to have I'll, a big I'll, I'll fat sort of envelope. When, when this when this topic was was mooted, I I, I sort of thought, yeah, how, how do we approach this? And it occurred to me that there've been films, horror movies in the last four or five years that have followed a little bit of a trend, and it do, it doesn't fit what we're doing today. That's that's the sort of interesting part of it. Films like Truth or Dare or The Belko Experiment, and I suppose they take the template of something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where you get you get a story, very sinister or spooky story, that's set in either a confined space or with a sort of finite bunch of characters. And then the twist at the end is the evil has either been unleashed on the world or the thing we've not told you all the way through the film is this is happening all over the world. That's the big shock at the end. Now, that's great, and that seems to sort of bode well for doing a part two, doesn't it? And until you start thinking about it, you've heard that phrase about writers writing themselves into a corner. Well, what, what we seem to have here is writers writing themselves into an expanse. And it's just as limiting because uh, certainly in terms of Hollywood budgets and so on, if you've made Truth or Dare or the Belko Experiment on a relatively low budget, and they're both great tight little films, I I love both, but at the end you say, oh, yeah, this is happening all over the planet, big shot, you know, then you sit down to write part two and no one is going to give you a $250 million budget to make Truth or Dare 2, are they? Well, no, but I think The Purge did that really well. They expanded the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and seems to get away with it. <laughs> but, but it Rare occasions. It, it, and it's still, it's still, they still confine their stories to a city, though, don't they? And they still, they still keep it fairly tight, even though they do suggest that it's, it, it's getting wider, you know. But, yeah, The Purge did it very, very well in, in doing an absolute limited sort of home invasion-type story for their first movie and then expanding it sort of city-wide. Mm. But I suppose that's the same as what uh, Philip Kaufman's Invasion of the Body Snatchers mm-hmm. remake did in 78. Um, it took the, the idea of the pods out of a, a, a tiny, typical American small desert town and it, it expanded it to San Francisco. But what, it, what, what no one's ever done is to do an invasion of the Body Snatchers 2 where you say you, you show what's happening all over the world. And that's, that's the point I'm making with, okay. with those. Yeah, a couple of other things I wanted to consider. Our, our, our late great pal uh, Norman J. Warren 
uh, who we talked about on the podcast before. Norman actually mooted sequels to a couple of his films in the 70s, but of course he was working at a time when the British film industry was 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 dying, you know. He was basically propping it up, you know. And he made films called Prey and Terror, which we've talked about on the podcast before. And he was going he wanted to do sequels to both of those. I think he had a script called Human Prey, and then there was a script called Beyond Terror, which I'm I'm not quite sure how closely linked that was to terror but it was sort of in the same ballpark and again because of the the sort of vagaries of the the british film industry and the fact we had no money they they never happened but yeah norman may well have gone on to do sort of british franchise through the late 70s and early 80s the unusual movie i wouldn't have thought any of those movies lent itself to sequelizing really i i, I can sort i can i can sort of see it certainly with prey i can see the, the yeah. alien invasion getting bigger. And well, I can see in, in Seminide, I can see that being yeah. sequelized yeah. and throughout yeah. the 80s. And yeah. again, again, that, was, that was one that Norman didn't sort of mm. talk about. And more recently, of course, we've had my, my film of the year last year was uh, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, which I thought was an absolute knockout. And um, Edgar has pointedly said on the new Blu-ray release of, of that film that there will never be a sequel, that, the, you know, open-ended though it may be i've got no plans whatsoever to do a sequel now i love that film so much i can't get it out of my head and that's got to the point where i've actually devised my own sequel to it (laughs) and what the obvious thing would be to do with last night in soho is to do what they did on tv with life on mars it's to sort of do okay, we've got this character in the 70s, let's have the next series in the 80s and maybe do one in the 90s. You could do that with the Eloise character from from Last Night in Soho. But I think her fantasy is absolutely rooted in the 60s because of of her association with with, uh, her her mum and her grandma, you know, and and it's all about her sort of growing up on on 60s music and 60s culture. So I, I, I think it would be a bit of a cheat to do that. What what my idea is, is to take the audience into the 70s, is to have Eloise becoming a success in the fashion business, but still having a, a sort of mind problems and still seeing spooks everywhere. She, she makes a pile of money from the fashion business, buys an isolated house in the country and goes out there and basically retires and retreats. And as any viewer of 70s British horror films knows, if you're a young woman in an isolated house in the country in the 1970s, it ain't going to end well, you know. <laughs> so we'd get into sort of image, Robert Altman's images or Jose Larraza's uh, symptoms, that kind of territory. Ellie would sort of take herself away and she'd still be seeing the ghosts and spectres and things and you'd get into this weird sort of 70s vibe. But it wouldn't be her in the 70s, it'd be the film itself set today, set in the 2020s, but trying to revive that sort of images type of subtle, uh, sort of spooky scare. You know? I, I think some films just, like, even though they are open-ended, that doesn't necessarily mean they are ready for a sequel. I think some films are fine at films, and they, they yeah, that's what they are. And Last Night in Soho, again, doesn't really fit our discussion, because what, what, we're, what we're supposed to be looking at here is films from the past that we mm. want sort of revived and, and rather than 
a direct sequel to a big hit from last year. That's what it was TV, though. Like an American Horror Story type thing where each season was a decade. Mm. And then you go through yeah, 50s, yeah. 60s, 70s. I, I, like, I, like, it. I like that idea. Same kind of tropes, yeah, I do like that idea, but not for Last Night in Soho. No. But, but it well, works so well for, for Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes that, yeah, you could definitely do a horror version of it. I, I suppose the nearest we've had to that was the, the Waxworks films in the late 80s, which which sort of did episodes throughout. The, each film had about four or five episodes in, and they all copied from a specific style of horror. Like you had like the haunting episode, yeah, yeah. the Night of the Living Dead episode. You had like a rampaging mummy episode, and they were all done in the style of a particular era of, of horror. And yeah, you you could easily trans, transfer that to a great TV show, I think. Well, let's 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 move on to actual uh, actual ideas for what we want to move. So, are there ones that you've like thought about and then discarded for this discussion, Adam? Before we get thought to thought about and discarded, uh, I, I kind of went through I went through the show like all the films that hadn't been remade that I really like, which felt like a slightly pointless exercise because like, <laughs> I like them so much. Why would I remake them? And then I went through and tried to find. I, I, I struggled to find bad ones that I'd like to see remade. Um, the one that I picked out before realizing that had been remade was uh, Slumber Party Massacre. I think you could definitely do a slightly modern twist on it, and, yeah. and they have. So I haven't seen has. it, but it exists. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so yeah, so they they, they kind of beat me to the punch a bit on that. The, the ones I've thought of, I've kind of put some thought in. So there aren't many that I've discarded. I had a couple of ideas of what would make really horrible reboots. Okay, <laughs> that's fun. Because the, the take, uh, like the, the the take I'm going on for my ideas are the idea of doing a good uh, good job of modernizing all ideas, which a few people have tried and have failed. Terribly, and the the two that kind of sprung to mind, which is really really stupid, and really really bad, will be well for a start. But they're just um, Twitch streamers, or they have a podcast and YouTube channel, and it doesn't really go anywhere. And really terrible e-celeb cameos, and that'd be an awful remake, which I'm surprised isn't in the pipeline somewhere. <laughs> I think it's one of those ones there where it's like, I can see that being a sequel. I can see Wayne and Garth coming back, and and it being Mike Myers and Dana Carvey doing yeah. a Twitch like stream. The only way like, did that, like, like Bill and Ted. Yeah, like Bill and Ted. Yeah, yeah. I think that would probably. Put it at that point. What's his name? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. So yeah, you you, you have to play on the on yeah. the. Maybe, yeah. maybe that could work out better. So, so they're, just, you know, they're, they're fifty five years old and they're still in Mum's basement. But I, th- I think with those ones, is it's recasting those characters is always well, the like trickiest thing. Last last time with Freddie, like Wayne and Garth. Are. Yeah, it's not going to work with anyone else. It's quite intrinsic. Yeah. I think comedies are all. I think comedies are difficult to remake well because there's so much about a time and place and timing of the actors and uh, and, and the direction uh, at that time. It, I, I did it's think because I to find because I know this is mainly about horror and whatnot. I did play the things some kind of comedy examples, and they they wouldn't really work. All the really big famous comedies everyone loves are intrinsically tied to the time they were made mm. and if you took them out of that they're going to feel really forced and they just don't work and they'll get to a point where they're a completely different film altogether yeah and if, if you think about it you very rarely get comedy remakes do you, you no. know, um, all those films from the 80s and 90s that we love you know just just nobody touches them I, I, just, I think I think it's just trick, the, the, the tricky to remake. I think you sometimes get rom coms like some of the Preston Sturgis uh, screwball comedies. I can see some of those find their way into modern yeah. day remakes. But they're often they? not pitched as remakes, are they? They're usually mm. given a different title and they have a little bit of extra kind of material same on the end. Same but yeah, and, and and then then some ninety year old critic reviews them and says, "Oh yeah, this is Christmas in July by Preston Sturgis yeah. or something." You know, a bust. Keaton movie Seven Chances yeah. got, got remade, didn't it? As um, 
was it The Bachelor, I think? Possibly. Yeah, yeah. So you've got this film from like 1924 or something being remade in, in the 90s. and well, I think that some, sometimes it's just a good hook is a good hook and it's less a remake of, of a Buster Keaton film yeah. and more taking the high concept idea yeah, yeah. of something like I've got, you know, you've got to get married in seven days. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I wish that the horror remakes did that, yeah. you know, and, the, and they don't. They tend to slavishly imitate mm. what's gone before and, and then... And if, if there's been a bit of a horror franchise as well, like when Michael Bay remade the Friday the 13th, you know, he didn't remake Friday the 13th. He sort of remade bits of the first four movies. Yeah. I, I thought that worked for the Friday the 13th yeah, remake was, because good, the first three Friday the 13th ones like were kind of like that anyway. It's a recap yeah. of the last film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but equally, like, like Jason doesn't get his mask until three, yeah. you know, so it's like, yeah. uh, so why would you remake it? Yeah. So yeah, you wouldn't remake yeah. number one where Jason's not got the mask, no, would you? No, no. <laughs> you just wouldn't so do there that. is like an arc in those first yeah. films, isn't there? And, mm. and uh, even though they repeat each other, you can sit down and watch those first four or five movies and it tells it tells a story it yeah. tells one story confused though it may be in some parts and yeah it was good that the platinum dunes remake sort of recognized that and played on it you know yeah but sometimes people try that and it just doesn't work no, um, no. texas chainsaw massacre has, has, has just become a, a complete mess now you know was well, a new one of those coming out Soon, imminently, yeah. imminently, as we record this, yeah. some of the ones that I thought would be prime for a, a potential remake um, were the Prophecy, okay. the uh, Christopher Walken playing the Angel Gabriel, an evil Angel Gabriel fighting yes. on Earth. That's a yeah, high yeah. concept idea. The problem with that is his performance as Gabriel is so specific and unique that you'd have trouble recasting that. I think Nicholas Cage. Obviously. Yeah, but that's, that's too obvious. It is too obvious. I think you, you kind of want a modern day version of of, of Walken or a modern yeah. day version yeah. of and, and, Cage. And, I mean, we had uh, Kevin Smith's Red State about ten years ago, and, and I think a prophecy remake could tap into mm-hmm. that that type of uh, idea and really have a dig at, at um, you know the sort of American Bible Belt. Sort I think organized religion is yeah, always yeah. a prime target oh, yeah. for There's for comedy for horror. Yeah, it's always it's always prime for that. A couple of those about a spring to mind. Pretty much most of Larry Cohen's work um, feels oh, yes. like it's prime for remakes. Um, you know, Key the Wing Serpent, where but the stuff feels like the one that would probably have most traction That's modern day. That's a great idea, Adam. You know, you know. I, now you've said that, I I would love to see an entire movie about a character who sort of gets trapped in the world of Larry Cohen. <laughs> and in, across 90 minutes, they're confronting Q and they're eating yeah. a, a, a carton of the stuff. And yeah, I, I think I think there's potential there for a single movie. A Cohen universe. Cohen world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was one. The other one that really popped out to me that, that I thought we, that could do, and that, but how you do it would be tricky, is the Monster Squad. From the eighties, that's a comedy. Yeah, you nearly pick one to square when yeah. I go through the comedy one, yeah. Because again, I suppose I haven't seen Ghostbusters after that yet. But going back with that and things like Stranger Things, which are kind of popular, it feels you could really tap into that. Yeah, maybe without the, I suppose, with the eighties influence as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think the problem is, would you do it as eighties horror icons? Would you have them, Freddy? Jason, Michael Myers, rather than Dracula, Frankenstein? That'd, That'd be, that nice. be really good, actually. Like, yeah. I, th- I think, as we've said, Michael Michael Bay probably owns the rights to all those characters now. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's one immediate drawback. Cool. So, shall we move on to our, our actual picks yes. then? Uh, who wants to go first? 
Me, I guess, yeah. I think okay. pointing at <laughs> yeah, we've covered Wes Craven a few times on the mm. podcast recently. We've looked at the Scream films and we've looked at Nightmare on Elm Street. And as Adam C. said earlier on, you know, the, the thing we ought to be doing here is um, what Hollywood always gets wrong is it remakes Friday the 13th and it remakes Nightmare on Elm Street. Why not remake some of the films that weren't successful first time round and were and were interesting ideas that sort of misfired and in the late 80s craven had pressure put on him to can can you do another freddy can you do another nightmare on elm street and he came up with this idea called shocker about this serial killer called horace pinker who goes to the electric chair but he's done a deal with the devil and he's got like the power of electricity and they get into this sort of nightmare on elm street type territory where he's got this guy someone who turns out to be his son who doesn't know that he's his son who starts having dreams about him. He starts having dreams about this killer. You know, where have we heard that before? Mm-hmm. With Directed by Wes Craven at the front of it. But the Horace Pinker character is great because he, he, he sort of survives the electric chair and he sort of breaks loose. And because of this deal that he's done with the devil is he turns himself into electricity and he can sort of get inside appliances, mainly, it has to be said, television, mm. you know, which is good, good visually. And... The start of the film and the main premise is fantastic, and then it just absolutely dies, you know. It's just got nowhere to go after about half an hour. And I thought, let's bring Horace Pinker back. He was played by uh, Mitch Pileggi, who who is not great in in this role, and it's not a good fit for him. But, of course, he he became much more famous later on uh, for his appearances in The X-Files, and uh, in, in which he's fantastic. And yet, I think the role of Horace Pinker is one that young actors might look at and say, yeah, I, I, can, I can work with that. I can play a mad deal with the devil electric serial killer. You know, what a, what a great part. Move over Nicolas Cage. I'm, I'm having this one, you know. And I think to bring that up to date and do it in the 2020s and have Horace not going into your microwave oven or your TV or your radio or whatever, but getting into apps and things like that and getting onto Instagram and Twitter and things. It sounds like a horror version of the Emoji movie. Um, <laughs> well, what, what? You're saying that like it's a bad thing. It I, is a bad I, thing, Daryl. I, I don't know. There's enough with, horror in the Emoji yeah, movie. Well, there <laughs> is, there is. But with the right actor playing Horace Pinker in the right way, I, I think there's scope to bring Shocker into the online world. So, so um, all politicians making slightly misguided statements on Twitter can just blame it on yeah, or he can influence, yeah. they say, you know, and, and cause catastrophes yeah, around yeah. the world, you know. Geopolitics. Um, yeah, so I, I think Shocker is a film that was a bit of a misstep for Wes Craven, and it's not fondly remembered. I've, I've not revisited it. I've not seen it since 1989. And I think it's a film that, that sort of lies a bit dormant and undiscovered and unknown in the Craven filmography, and rightly so. It's not very good. But I think the premise is so good. And the idea of the way the way the character uses 80s technology mm. is so good that that can transmit across the decades and you, you can have a Horace Pinker for the ages, you know. It's an, it's an interesting one. That the, 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 why, why do you only remake classics or, or things? And obviously Hollywood approaches it from what's got the most um, – what's got most – Market recognition. You've got to build it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're remaking Karate Kid, you remake Karate Kid. You don't remake Best of the Best or whatever. The third, third tier. I always feel slightly redundant with horror though, because I know I think horror puts more pressure on these things. Because like you were saying earlier about with comedy, you could probably remake a really old comedy. 
mm. if people are aware of that, that is taking these existing ideas. They're all kind of okay with it. They'll give it the chance. Whereas mm. horror is either too different or it's too much the same. Yeah. You can't really win. The, the ones that win all the people, very, very few and far between. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, I think ultimately with the horror, but, but equally, I think horror fans, if you make a good stab at it, they are quite embracing. Like the Dawn of the Dead remake. Dawn of the Dead, one of the most beloved horror films of the last 50 years was remade by Zack Schneider yeah, and absolutely. embraced by people. Well, people went into that thinking, this is this is a bad idea, this is going to be terrible, this is going to be sacrilege. And within about 30 seconds of that movie starting with that brilliant opening scene, <clears throat> we were all won over. Yeah, yeah. It was incredible. But, that's, but that's, that's, sometimes that's insurmountable, those kind of things. But I think horror audiences naturally say they are outraged and say they don't want to see the sequel but then if they if it's done well they do embrace it they do go jump yeah, board and go actually this is really good properties because people complain they'll go and think this is going to be absolute rubbish but they'll still put money to watch yeah. these and they'll still buy when yeah. it comes out on blurry because they need a full set even if they get <laughs> yeah. the thing they have to have it on the shelf so there's money to be squeezed out of these people <laughs> yeah there's poor poor misguided fools like us yeah. so it's interesting that you picked shocker because it wasn't a hit at the time it's got no market recognition but the idea is strong yeah. and, and so- this this is what adam said earlier you know about the, and this whole discussion we're having about you know why not why not remake the failures you know mm. and 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 make them better take a chance you know yeah. Uh, the one, the ones I've I, I picked about four, but I'm only going to focus on two. One of them was quite a controversial one, but I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. I mean, if you'd have asked me five years ago whether they should be made Buffy, I probably would have spat in your face and, and, and clawed your eyes out, you know, but I don't want to see a Buffy remake. But now I'm sitting there thinking, well, I don't want to see more of the original Buffy series, but there is a room for cheerleader saves the world against the horrors of evil of uh, 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 nightmare vampires, you know. Why is, why is that now current, Adam? I, I, I don't know. It just, it just feels like it just feels like maybe 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 it's just youth, youth. It feels like youth culture is significantly different to what it was five years ago. Five years ago, it, it still felt like we we were in the same world of the TV series of Buffy. Whereas now I feel like the teenagers that would inhabit a Buffy remake are very different to the teenagers that inhabited the Buffy remake in the nineties. Yeah, I think I think like like policemen, they they look younger. For yeah, and and that that I think would be a good thing. Yeah, I've, I've I've seen a few films recently, and there've been a few British films actually where um, very very young teenage characters have sort of banded together and and, and fought monsters and things. And um, we had Bucket Monsters on here, yeah. which was a perfect example. And yeah, I think a Buffy remake could could look like that with with a very young cast and I, I, more I, of a Stranger I, Things sort I, of I age cast. Yeah, that Stranger yeah. Things yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's natural progression for that crew of. Teens, I guess, yeah. Strange things, templates. Yeah, well, no, no, just in terms of like strange things, obviously, sort of like 80s, Goonies, um, kids. So doing this for late 1990s. You can move those yeah, teens that, older, right. so they're 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. And have them inhabiting that Buffy world where yeah, it's still have a pass on the torch thing as well, instead of um, Anthony Head's character, was it Giles? Giles, you yeah. You have Buffy and she's the. 
Yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's yeah. your premier episode, and yeah. they pass on the talk. Sam Michel Geller is a watcher. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's how I'd say. But so that was, that was my little flippant one. But the, I think the one that I that, there's, there's two that I think are really prime for remakes is the Blind Dead films, the yeah. the, the Spanish um, series of films about Knights Templar zombies. Yeah. Well, now when, that feels when we showed when we showed Tombs of the Blind Dead here. Dominic Burns was in the audience, and he said to us afterwards, "I want a remake." Now. Yeah, yeah. I think there has been. A remake, I think, but I'm not sure whether they remade it or whether they just used the I think, characters. I think the Knights Templars, are, I don't think it's a, 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 a proper official, remake yeah. of the first movie. Right. Whereas Don was coming up with all kinds of ideas and thinking of Derbyshire locations yeah, 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 yeah. that you could use and stuff. I'd love to see him do it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I think, I think, I think just the idea, and now's a perfect time for that because the zombie genre feels like it is waning a little bit now yeah after yeah. the massive massive highs it's had over the last five six ten years guys even longer than that it's had like 10 years or so dawn of the dead remake onwards to yeah. walking dead and so all here's, here's something then that's in the zombie ballpark but completely but out yeah, there yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a, a twist on the zombie yeah. on the zombie which genre. is how it was when the when the original movie sure yeah yeah out, yeah you know? uh, i mean knights templars zombies riding horses you know, yeah it's like one more exactly yeah it's so great on screen as well mm, it does yeah it's great and yeah, Dom, if you're listening, which we know you are, do it. Yeah, yeah. Slow motion horses as well. You know, you're just like, how quick can they ride those horses? It's always in slow motion in those movies. It's fantastic. <laughs> but they always catch their, their, their victim, you know, yeah, yeah. no matter how slow they're going. Mm. So what, 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 were, what were you thinking of um, Adam? Remakes. I got a couple. I'll go through the first one quickly because it's a bit more of a similar idea. But I based a lot of my ideas and the ideas of modernizing things, but doing it well. Um, one from recent memory that I thought did this quite well was the child's play ring it, mm-hmm. which I was quite pleasant, pleasantly surprised with where to be idea of this it's killer doll but it's not voodoo it's you know rogue AI and technology and interacting with modern day devices and I thought there were some really great narrative elements there, and it, it worked and, and it, it felt modern like genuinely modern yeah I mean that, that franchise is incredibly high standard course, franchise I didn't yeah. think about this there aren't, no, there aren't really any weak moments no but exactly. somehow even though all over the, place. The, the, recent, the recent TV show was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really kicked it up a notch, e- even though it was aimed squarely at child's play obsessives. You know? yeah, yeah. But it, it somehow it seemed to have an appeal beyond that, even though there were lots of things in it where oh, if, if you've not seen the sixth or seventh child play movies and you've not stayed right to the end of the end credits and seen the stinger at the end, you're not going to understand episode four, you know? Yeah. And, and even then it seems to have had a, a, a sort of crossover appeal and, and the quality of the whole franchise has just been remarkable over sort of 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And as you say, the, the remake was how to do a remake. Yeah. It worked out really it, it well. It had enough of the original sort of idea and the original concept of Chucky in it to satisfy hardcore fans, but it, it radically changed mm. what the idea was about and did something completely different with it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Remarkable. So I've kind of used that as a basis for uh, Christine. Okay. So it's the idea of, you know, how you know a lot of modern cars nowadays are more computers than they are engines. So mm. it's the idea of a rogue Tesla. Oh, it starts, it starts kind of pairing with your devices and it picks up people's conversations. Like, oh, so-and-so's done this and we didn't like this and starts going after people. Yeah, that's, that's it's, a, it's kind of a great, great basic idea. Premise, but it feels like there's all you could do with that and there's some bit of social comedy we could throw in there. Again, probably a bit ham-fisted, but yeah. it'd be fun. And I, I, that, that sounds like a 
perfect idea for for a remake of uh, uh, modern uh, technology. Again, I, I don't really like the Stephen King novel all that much. I think it's very bloated, and it's you know it's a six hundred page novel about a killer car. You know, he could have done that in a, a sixteen page short story. John Carpenter's movie is good. But it's not a classic Carpenter movie, and it was a sort of job for hire, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do think there's scope to do more with Christine. And as you say, and as we've been saying about a couple of other films, um, this idea of bringing the concept into the 2020s is, is, should be what it's all yeah, about. And yeah. it so rarely is. Mm. It's really done well. Or you just kind of remake camp slashes and they've got phones now, and that's it, and it's the same thing. But I think it's good because it's the idea of your your devices working against you is a bit scary, more scary for your audience. I, I guess I guess ultimately is 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 what do you want to do with the fact that you're updating it? If you're just updating it so that all the teenagers have got have got mobile phones that don't have signal, you know, yeah, that's that's not updating. It's the same yeah, premise and it doesn't work. You have to throw these really awkward kind of you know spanners in the works. Exactly. Yeah. So so that your film looks like and feels like a 70s or 80s yeah. film. But this, this, exactly. This yeah. the thing is, I think theory. there's a lot you could explore with that. Uh, so so my, my second idea, which is a bit more played out, was uh, Street Trash. Okay. The original <laughs> is a bit corny. It's kind of, it's not trauma, but it's sort of in the same vein of a lot of those films. But I, I think it can make that quite gritty and quite socially aware. Cost of living rising across the world and, you know, in the places in this country in a lot of parts of you know california especially where homelessness is on the rise you could have something like you know a street trash taking place where you've got these large you know money hungry pharmaceutical companies trying to sell mm. you know things a bit like have a bit of this drink this you'll feel better this will warm you up let's keep you going it's full of nutrients and you know, some nice gory effects that melts people and then you've got other you know social media types trying to exploit the issue going around with the cam camera vid bump bite style record this and you start realizing what's why is everyone melting? But these yeah. great gory schemes, people are posting mm. online, and then the pharmaceutical companies are trying to work against the social media platforms to take these videos down because they don't want to be exposed. And I think the, there is scope there, and you can still have some really nice gore effects like the original. Oh the, yeah, if if Larry Cohen was still alive, he'd he'd probably want to make that. You know, mm. I think if you pitch that to him, he'd say, "Yeah, this is my territory." And Martin Scorsese has recently done a piece online about John Carpenter. And he singled out They Live as a favourite film. And he said... But there'll be lots of kind of elements of They yeah, Live in yeah, this. You know, that's it. And that's Scorsese it. said about They Live, he said, you know, I, I, I see in They Live, um, he compared it to Mel Brooks' film Life Stinks that came out around the same time. He sort of sees them as a bit of a pair. But he also said, being Scorsese, of course, he goes back to the 1930s and he says, They Live is like an 80s version of a, a sort of American Depression era film and yeah you what you've described there adam is street trash is absolutely right well it's that same it's kind of like you know the rare ergonomics area so it would just be updated for the there is a lot of parallels between now and the 80s in the sense of like the greed is good era you know poverty never goes out no well that's it yeah so although it's a remake people would hear because it's like oh we just want the splatter we don't want Ham fist to political as, messages as, now. As you so. said, no. though, you give them that anyway. So you yeah, know, you have the best of both worlds. Yeah. Speaking of ham fisted political messages, one of my other choices was uh, it was was the Maniac Cop films. Um, I just think with the Maniac Cop films, and in, in the eighties and nineties, they were kind of like a 
a right wing fantasy film series where it was just like, like the cops can't do anything. The punks are taking over the world. We need someone who can go beyond. Whereas I think with a remake, you could have, you could literally pitch it in the same world as the Babadook and, and, the, 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 and it follows and those kind of post horror kind of films, the witch, all those kind of things where you, where you were looking at it and it's a left wing comment on police brutality yeah. in the and, 21st and century corruption. and police corruption. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that would be, I think it's prime for a remake that, and yeah. I know, I know when uh, Nicholas Wyndham Reffing had talked about doing a remake of, of Maniac Cop and I'm, I don't know whether he would have done it as a left wing, a slightly more left wing leaning or not. He might have, he might have gone the other way to be sort of ironic. I think. I mean, what's interesting about the originals is again, Larry Cohen was involved. He was, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. And uh, you do get the sense when you watch them that you can sort of see Cohen's satire in there, but it's been treated so broadly by uh, William Lustig, the director, that... Uh, yeah, the subtleties of, of the commentary yeah. are not there. In yeah, those I know, it does yeah. sort of then edge towards a sort of Charles Bronson type uh, Definitely, right-wing yeah. fantasy. You know. Yeah, I, that's a good shout, Adam, I think. I think there's a lot of scope for mm. Maniac Cop in, yeah. uh, in, in, in the 2020s. And also, you know, you, you're talking about sort of like modern, modern-day horror franchises and, and taking on those iconic characters. Maniac Cop was played, you know, by two different actors in the, yeah, in those yeah. three films. So it's not like there's one actor that is linked to that no, role, no and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's not like, like we Bruce Campbell. Yeah, we're not yeah. taking food from Robert Englund's table by doing yeah. this. You know, it's like I think actually this this could be uh, the role that someone could take on, and it could be their Freddy role, their yeah, yeah. you know and, Jason. And of role. course, you, you, if you, if you then went to franchise, the whole mm. point of that could be that different people were playing a different Maniac. Cop in mm. each film, you know, yeah. as as a as a sort of sign that this this corruption and and whatever problems the police have got, it's rife. Yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. Everyone's involved. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I think that's that'd be a good one. What what would be good about that as well? Uh, as, as we're talking about sort of contemporary times and what, what's in the news at the moment, is someone in Britain ought to make that. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be very potent for an English filmmaker at the moment. I think I think also I mean with the American whenever it's America it's always so over the top uh, and it doesn't feel real it feels like you're watching it feels like you're watching a movie when you watch something like that cause it's like oh yeah but that's that's America that's yeah, like a that's, yeah. that's like a it, different it world anyway yeah. yeah yeah exactly so so again a shout out to all our filmmaking pals you know we we want to see a, a British maniac cop reboot I think you could have a lot of fun with a British one as well because you take away the guns yeah. Yeah. And I think you know if you wanted to do like actual brutal on the streets violence, like horror violence, that you, you you're always trying to find a way of not having a gun in yeah, those so, horror so movies. In Britain's perfect. Got to be a bit more inventive. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a good show, actually. There you go. <laughs> cool. So, was there any other ones that you wanted to flag up just before we wrap up? Not good ones. Not good not ones. Good, just really. So then, a lot of the ones that I was thinking about were, were ones with social commentary, like Society. I'm surprised no one. I'm surprised they've not remade Society because yeah. you know it's owned by brain users. The same thing. I mean, if you talk about things like Maniac Cop and Street Trash, Society's on the periphery yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. And interesting, interestingly enough, with all kind of you know the, the conspiracy world spilling over the mainstream now, I think mm. something like Society you could do. I think you'd have to be quite careful about which ways you'd throw it because it could fall into that they live cap where people with different political readings you know, lean and stink, it's for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Society yeah, yeah. could that, be that like goes, that. Again, that goes I, right. I do, do think there's some, you know, 
score for a really interesting remake of society. Yeah. yeah, that idea again goes right back to the sort of daddy of all this stuff, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where where you know you can watch that from a left wing or right wing or just from a science fiction point of and view and get your own story yeah. out of it. You know, and yeah, it is interesting with a lot of these things where. You know, we think people are misinterpreting them. They think we're misinterpreting yeah. it, you know, and that's that's how you end up with Donald Trump. So, mm. you know. <laughs> Is there anything you think that's on your peripheral, Daryl, that you think should uh, be remade or you're surprised that they've not remade? Maybe that's the one. Yeah, um, I've not really given that any more thought other than the films I've mentioned, Adam. But uh, a couple, a couple, a couple I was thinking of was like were, were two franchises. Well, one franchise that's very close to my life. I absolutely love this franchise, Tremors. And I know they've had a stab at doing a Tremors remake yeah. with, and they brought Kevin Bacon back, and they did a series and still pilot, as well, and they've they've yeah. still been doing the sequels up until fairly recently, which I think was the last one that was definitely pitched as the final yeah. Tremors film. We've heard that before. Well, we have, but yeah, it, it was it's fairly final in, in, in that series. But I'm a big fan of that series, and I think it's obviously a low budget sequel series after a first you know a first film had a bit of a budget and had stars, but the sequels. They add to the to the to the mythology of the series without it being too cheap and too. Mm. It's always fun to be had in a Tremors film, and as I, I think that could easily be redone. And the other one is Phantasm, which Phantasm never has never had a budget. You know, there's yeah. never been a Phantasm film that's made with a decent budget. Really, and I, I love I love the first movie, and I'm I'm sort of lukewarm about the sequels. I have to say, yeah. So, so to see someone take that that idea of that first movie and 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 do something new with it, and, and well, it, it's funny when you talk about Platinum Dooms crashing all the best scenes from all the sequels. Phantasm seems like it's, it's kind of prime right. for that. Yeah, I mean that the ball being the the unique iconic thing, which wasn't really that big a deal in the first one. Obviously, budget restraints, things like that. Yeah. But you could easily create much more of an interesting storyline yeah. and a much more interesting thing and, and involve that ball more to create a modern day horror. Yeah, that, yeah, that sounds good to me. Of course, one film that has been sort of rebooted in the last few years, big, big quad favourite is uh, is Critters. You know, mm. we, had, we had the new Critters film a few years ago. And again, that, that was good because it was sort of part remake, part reboot. And uh, I, I I really liked it, you know. And it, it was Oh, really? It was I've, I've just bought it like, yeah. like two weeks yeah. ago, so I'm like... Uh, yeah, it's, it's very cheap and very cheesy, but that's sort of what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better, you know, yeah. and so, yeah. Uh, I I hope that they sort of roll with that and and do more. I'd love to see that sort of develop into a new series. I hope they roll with it, pun yeah, intended. Yeah, you, you yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like Critters is is obviously it was made in the wake of like Gremlins, and I think not having that to remake in the wake of, I think it probably feels it feels kind of redundant. The the Critters ones now, and until we get a Gremlins sequel, requel, reboot, I think that's that's the time to carry on with critters yeah yeah but again the idea of remaking gremlins is that's good that's going to face all the pitfalls that we mentioned earlier on where i think people love the gremlins films so much that that uh, you know there, there would be this element of well, you, you there is thinking well isn't isn't this going to be terrible you know it's a tricky one as well because you, you never get the idea of how bothered joe dante is and I don't think Hollywood would go to him. He's he's nothing in Hollywood. No, he's not. But I think. But if you're going to sequelize the Gremlins, you need to have 
either Joe Dante saying, look, it's not for me to carry on with this franchise. I'm yeah. dumb. My final say was Gremlins 2, marrying Robert Picardo to a Gremlin. That was my final word on the matter yeah. of Gremlins. Yeah. Uh, you need that or you need him to come back. You, I don't think you can just yeah. carry I, I, on I the franchise. What probably do is a bit of a compromise where they'd get him to write a story outline so they could put his name on the credits and then they'd completely ignore that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their own Thing. Well, we've got we've got this the cartoon series coming fairly soon on on Netflix, isn't it? In the next yeah. year or so, so we'll see how that primes the water. So for yeah, that, that might really. put the name Gremlins back in in the you know that might bring it to a whole new generation yeah, who yeah. then might demand their own Gremlins film. So well, that's I mean, and you, you kind of want you kind of want what they've done with the Ghostbusters thing. You want them to bring back Zach Galligan. You want if you can get Phoebe Cates out of retirement, then yeah. you get with Phoebe Cates in there as well. Um, sadly, we can you know we've seen a auto-generated Luke Skywalker on the Star Wars TV series. Yeah, can yeah. we have an, a, a digitized, um, automated um, Dick Miller? Definitely on these yeah, on these films, yeah. that'd be great. I'm, I'm using voice clips from Dick's old Roger Corman. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's more than enough cameos. Uh, oh, that, I love that. that. Well. I've, I've expressed doubts about a Gremlins uh, reboot, but can I have a tip, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay, let's 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 draw draw a line under that podcast today. We obviously do not endorse bad remakes. I just like to say, just on that, uh, bad films are bad films, whether they're remakes or not remakes. So when we're talking about these films, we are envisaging five star quality remakes. <laughs> what we're imagining here, guys. Cool, lovely. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back again in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, please do like us on Facebook. Do send any suggestions for podcast topic ideas to podcast at darbyquad.co.uk and we will have a look at them and see whether we can do that. Okay, take care. See you soon.